Hello, Joe here from As The Joe Flies. Checking in, it is the end of the year, so Leslie and I are both taking some much-needed time to rest and relax with our families. So a couple of weeks ago, we released our Disney Splurges episode, and that got me thinking about uh, an episode we did in May of 2022 about best values at Disney, and we thought this would be a good episode to rebroadcast for the break. Uh, Some of you may have heard it before, but some of you are new listeners and you may never have heard it. So in this episode, we just talk about what we find to be the best values at Walt Disney World, not necessarily the cheapest, but the best bang for your buck. So we hope that you enjoy it. And before we get to that episode, just a couple of housekeeping announcements. Did want to just update you on some of the stuff going on with the podcast. Uh, here in 2023, um, we started experimenting with posting our podcast on YouTube. It's uh, been going well, but uh, if you still haven't yet, we would really appreciate it if you could go to youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered, like the channel and subscribe to us and, and hit that bell notification button. That would be awesome. Plan to continue on that next year. And uh, for 2024, we're also trying something new. Uh, We're going to be adding ads to the podcast feed. If you've listened the last week or so, you probably have noticed them already, although didn't add any ads to this episode. Wanted to try and see if that uh, could be a not too intrusive way to get a little compensation for our work on the podcast. Uh, A reminder that if you are looking for ad-free episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, the lowest subscriber level is $2 a month, and that will get you uh, ad-free content. Things will remain ad-free in there. And who knows, we might not keep ads for all 2024. We're going to give it a couple months and see how it goes. All right, no more blabbing from me. Happy New Year to all of you. And uh, here's to a great 2024 of Disney for you and your family. Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we talk about best values for different categories at Walt Disney World, how you can save money and get the most bang for your buck. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you can receive bonus content. Or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Email josephchung at travelmation.net to get started. If you have any questions for the podcast or any comments, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, DisneyDeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So on today's episode, we're going to have a little bit of fun. You know, we've had a couple of fancy episodes recently. We, we did one on VIP tours. I stayed at the Boardwalk Club level. But we do recognize that not everyone is going to Disney World to spend their life savings. Uh, Leslie, please remind me that next time I'm planning a trip, by the way. Okay. <laughs> so what we thought we'd do today is look at some of the values that we find in the parks. Now, a lot of things are labeled value, and there are a lot of valuable things 
that you can find that aren't that much money, but we're going to pick our favorites today. And of course, our favorites are probably not your favorites. So more than ever, we are really interested if you have suggestions for what we're missing. Because what we're going to do is we're going to take a bunch of different categories and say what we find is the best value. And by value, we mean both that it is relatively inexpensive to the rest of Disney World, but also that you get a lot of bang for your buck, even for that lower amount of money. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Before we get to that, one quick shout out for a new patron. We want to thank Jared for signing up recently. We really appreciate it. If you want to check out our bonus content, you can check us out on patreon.com slash Disney Decipher. All right. So Leslie, let's get right to it. We're going to start with a softball. When you are going to Walt Disney World, most people are going to buy Genie Plus maybe for at least one day. Genie Plus, of course, costs $15 per person per day, no matter what plus tax, at least as of time of recording. Out of the four Disney World parks, Leslie, what is the best value park to use Genie Plus at? Like I said, we're starting off with a softball. Yeah, definitely a softball. And there is only one right answer, and that is Magic Kingdom. Just because there are so many more attractions on Genie Plus and Magic Kingdom than there are in the other three parks. You can get a lot more in a single day. I mean, we've talked before about how often... You're looking at two or maybe three in a park like Hollywood Studios. But in Magic Kingdom, if you play your cards right, you might be able to get seven or eight some days, um, depending upon what you choose and how you prioritize it. So you're just going to get, you know, on a per ride basis, you're going to pay less for what you get to ride with Genie Plus in Magic Kingdom. And you're going to get to do overall a lot more attractions, I think, in in a given day. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I definitely agree. I wrote down Magic Kingdom. Now, I feel like you can make an argument for something like Hollywood Studios, because if you can get on, say, Slinky Dog Dash, Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway, and Rock and Roller Coaster, or Tower of Terror, like if you get those three attractions, you can save yourself three, four hours of time waiting in line. But for me, I think I take a quantity over quality, at least when it comes to this particular question. But I feel like Hollywood Studios is the only one that kind of you could make an argument but the other thing about hollywood studios is i feel like it's not as valuable because it's so much more work with magic kingdom it's not shooting fish in a barrel like it is at disneyland but you're going to have a lot of options whereas hollywood studios you know you have to be on it at 7 a.m and then you have to be on it every two hour window if you're not checking in and stuff like that so hollywood studios may be a close second but still i'm taking magic kingdom for the best value genie plus yeah, that's a fair point about Hollywood Studios. Like if if you time it right and you get a little bit of luck on your side, you know, the result could be more and higher and better, but there's just no guarantee. Like one Disney IT error and <laughs> then it's over for you at Hollywood Studios for the day and and there's just not that predictability. So for me, like the sure thing at, at Magic Kingdom definitely is where I'm going to spend my money. But I think I'm probably going to spend my money on Genie Plus every every park, unfortunately. That's the reality. But we're, but we're on a budget here, Joe. We're rating ourselves in after, you know, a year of excess post-pandemic, right? <laughs> yes, calm down, Leslie. Okay. Revenge travel is over. We need to be responsible adults again. Gosh okay, darn so it. Calm Gosh down. darn it. So as responsible adults, in terms of the value resorts, what do you find is the best value resort? Now, just as a quick reminder, there are five value resorts. I would say four and a half. There's all-star movies, all-star music, all-star sports, art of animation, and pop century. Art of animation is kind of the half one because the majority of art of animation are family suites. So not really value in terms of budget there. And I should also point out that all-star music has family suites as well. So 
also not budget there. But in terms of the standard rooms, those are the five budget-friendly standard rooms, which run $125 to $225, depending on when you're going and whether there's a sale or not. Quick thought on that when we're done talking, but let's say first, you know, what do you choose as your best value resort? For me, the answer is always Pop Century. And I've stayed there several times because often I do just need a room on the cheap and, you know, I want it to be well located and, and have everything I need. And I, I just find the All-Stars too far from the action. And Pop, of course, is now on the Skyliner, which sets it really far apart from the All-Stars for sure. Um, the pool is great there. The hippy dippy pool, the theming, all the different decades for the different buildings and yeah, it's just a fun, family-friendly resort. And of course, it was I think it was the first of the value resorts to get the room makeover that had the uh, Murphy bed and the queen bed. So you have two queens in that hotel, which is why I've stayed there the most, because I don't do two doubles. I've talked about that often, but you know, that's less of an issue now that all of the value resorts are, are being renovated. But, but Pop is where I often end up, and I often end up there too, because it seems to be more available sometimes than some of the other resorts. So if I'm planning a last minute vacation, I don't really get that. But I, I, it often tends to come up in my in my searches when I'm doing a, a more last minute trip to Walt Disney World. So bonus for being reliably there and being fairly cheap. Yeah, I mean, I think that's because the All-Stars are filled with hormonal teenagers for cheerleading competitions and Pop Warner and stuff like that, which is why I generally avoid All-Stars. You know, I've said a few times that I'm a travel advisor now. I try incredibly hard not to upsell people on anything, but the only thing that like I upsell on is if you're going to stay at value and you want to go to All-Stars, at least think about Pop Century because of the Skyliner, because of the avoiding of screaming children or screaming teenagers running around. I just feel like Pop is the best value resort for me. I try to make an argument in my head for Art of Animation. You know, the Little Mermaid rooms are really cool, but they're really the most expensive value resorts on property. And in fact, I just downsold my friend from art of animation to pop because i just feel like overall it's better unless you have kids who are really going to love the little mermaid theming i just don't think art of animation is worth the extra 30 dollars because we're talking about 30 dollars like going from all stars to pop it's about 30 dollars more per night which i think is worth it for skyliner but then going from pop to art of animation is like another 30 dollars for the little mermaid theming same location just on the other side of the lake don't think it's really worth it yeah totally agree so see you at pop century yes Now, I did want to point out a good note that I saw someone say online. I think when we started this podcast four years ago, we were saying you can stay off site for like $70, $80. And if you have to pay $120 to $150 for a value resort, it's really not worth the on-site benefits like you're saving half by staying off-site. These days, Leslie, I feel like it has become very different because hotel prices, as we know, have been going up. Now, the off-site hotels are creeping up to 100, 120, 140. All of a sudden, staying at a value for that early theme park entry, Skyliner access if you're at Pop or Art of Animation, all of a sudden, it seems like a lot more worth it. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I always tended to stay in the Disney bubble on my Walt Disney World vacations, even though I didn't at Disneyland. But that's even more true now. It's just not worth the hassle. I mean, even with the declining benefits, even with there no longer being Magical Express or something like that, that early theme park entry and the ability to book lightning lanes, um, individual lightning lanes at 7am, like Rise of the Resistance, those two are just so key to your day that, you know, ask yourself, is that extra 20 or $50 
hours more a night for your vacation going to make all the difference? And then, you know, you think and you factor in other things that you sort of end up paying extra for when you're farther away from that Disney bubble. Like maybe that's transportation or, or whatever. So I'm in the bubble. I'm staying at Pop if, if I'm doing it on the cheap now. And then small shout out. I guess this is kind of like an honorable mention. If you are working with a higher budget, definitely check out Swan Dolphin, Swan Reserve. They get deluxe benefits, but are closer to Disney's moderate prices than Disney's deluxe prices. You know, we all know that Disney hotels inside the bubble are overpriced. Swan Dolphin and Swan Reserve, which are Marriott properties, are a little bit of an exception. It's still overpriced, but you get those deluxe benefits, especially those extended evening hours, which, you know, are very worth it if you have kids of the right age or if you are adults. All right. What's our next category that we're looking at? All right. It's time to turn to food. So why don't you tell us what you think the best value snack is at Walt Disney World? I should note that I'm mostly speaking for my children, but as I look at my bookshelf behind this computer, there are two souvenir popcorn buckets sitting there. And then I know there's another one in the bathroom and then a fourth that we use for unspeakable things, Leslie. So my fam, for I don't want to know what, why is no. your popcorn bucket in the bathroom? And then what is the one that you use for unspeakable things? The one things? in the bathroom is for like toys. <laughs> okay. Like for, they, they like, they like play with it. The unspeakable things is, you know, when my kids get sick. Um, oh, oh yeah. That, that's, the, totally. that's the old, it's by the way, just talking practical purposes it is a very good size for a kid to get sick in and (laughs) very easy to clean up Uh, tmi pro tip for the day from disney deciphered but yes we love our souvenir popcorn buckets it's around you know 15 16 dollars also depends on the type of the bucket the first time you get it but after that refills are two dollars each we generally refill it like four or five times throughout our trip even on a three-day trip i'm gonna say it's not the healthiest snack and in fact if you're talking about value and factoring in long-term value for your heart health it's probably not popcorn but in terms of the joy that it brings my kids and frankly myself uh, the popcorn bucket is the way to go and i do take you know i have my 50th anniversary popcorn bucket and so when i'm hopefully there and meeting up with you in june leslie i will have that so hopefully your son can be the beneficiary of that popcorn bucket as well because generally they don't care if you bring your old popcorn buckets i feel like it's gotten i've seen some really old popcorn buckets get filled and i think they're currently of the mentality that if you went through all the work of bringing your popcorn bucket back we'll give you your popcorn I am looking forward to it and totally agree. Popcorn is a great value at Disney World. We do not have the same awesome refillability at Disneyland. So I am super excited about getting to enjoy that again um, when I head back to Florida. Yeah. Can I make a quick interjection? The food culture at Disneyland is so different. Just like the focus on churros and corn dogs and stuff like that. You know, one day, maybe in an unfilter or something, we're going to have to talk about that because I was like aghast at the lack of respect for popcorn at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're. I guess they're more focused on like the Instagrammable treats for the locals. So, you know, something new every week. So people will keep coming back and spending their money on it. So yeah, but that's for a future episode. All right. So my pick for best snack is kind of random, but I mean, there's a bazillion choices that you can find value out of. And sometimes it's just 
whatever's closer and cheap. But one thing that I think is a really good value are the tachos at Woody's Lunchbox in Toy Story Land at Hollywood Studios. And the reason I picked this, these are $9.99 right now, is that they're really filling. I mean, I think one thing that, about a lot of snacks at Walt Disney World is that they give you a quick sugar hit and they don't last you. So I like the tachos. You've got like, you know, your potatoes, but you've got the, the meat and the protein on top of it and the cheese and the sour cream and all of that. I mean, it's a snack that you can, you know, like sticks to your ribs and last you for a while and you can share it. It's something that definitely that can, you know, it's a little messy, so it's not like a walk aroundable snack. But those work for me for sort of checking all the right boxes of price and lasting me through until that next meal. Because often at Disney World, I don't know about you, Joe, I'm not eating three meals a day. I mean, I don't, that would be too much food, right? So I'm eating, you know, one maybe big meal and then maybe I'm having a couple of snacks for the other meals or maybe two medium meals and then one snack in the middle. So something that's kind of a mini meal often works well. Of course, you've got all the festivals at Epcot that sort of check that box too. But if you're in Hollywood Studios, the tachos. I prefer not to say how many meals I've skipped due to refilling my popcorn bucket. But let's just say good monetary value. But again, bad long-term health value for both me and my children. Oh, the sodium. Oh, the humanity. Indeed. And the butter. All right. So let's move to best value quick service restaurant. If you are not going to sit down, but you're maybe going to do a mobile order or get counter service, what is it for you, Leslie? I often find myself when there is not a food festival in Epcot at Katsura Grill. That's in the Japan Pavilion quick service restaurant sort of tucked back in a, in a little nook. And I love it because the prices are really reasonable for what's being served. Like you can get sushi and you can get teriyaki bowls. And there are kids meals there that include chicken and shrimp and beef for under $10, like with the drink, all of that kind of stuff. So I find it just a really good value for a pretty healthy meal that you're grabbing on the go. I mean, the quality of the food is much more like you would find maybe at a lower end table service restaurant, but you're paying counter service prices for it. So that's definitely my go-to in Epcot. And I feel better as a parent for hopefully getting one vegetable in my kid while I'm at Walt Disney World in a week. Yeah, three broccoli crowns in the kids meal. So, you know, that covers over a multitude of popcorn buckets. Now, because of this popcorn nonsense that I undertake, I find for value, I really need to get my kids some protein, vegetables as well, of course. But because of that, I like Regal Eagle Smokehouse at the American Pavilion. It's not amazing barbecue, but in terms of getting protein that the kids are going to eat, we had watermelon slices there last time, which was great on a really hot day. There's ample seating. You can mobile order. So I find Regal Eagle Smokehouse to be a very good value, you know, because when you are looking for quick service, you are looking, it's, it's not just value in terms of what you're eating, but it's also like the experience, like whether... Um, it's stressful to get your food and stuff like that. So I really like Regal Eagle Smokehouse for that. And definitely good shout, Leslie, on the kids' meals, especially at places like Regal Eagle or Katsura Grill or someplace like Flame Tree Barbecue in Animal Kingdom. The kids' meals just feel like more balanced. Whereas if you get a kids' meal at, say, Backlot Express at Hollywood Studios, the kids' meal is like two chicken fingers, fries, and like a cutie or something like that. So it does feel better. I mean, it looks better when there's more color on the plate. 
from the kids' meals at uh, some of these counter service restaurants. For sure. All right. Well, let's turn to table service restaurants. What's your best value pick for folks who want to sit down and not eat on the go? So for table service, I have always been a huge fan of Via Napoli, the pizza and pasta place in the Italy Pavilion in Epcot. Man, we are very stuck in Epcot for the food, but I guess that's kind of how it goes. I think the reason why Via Napoli is the best for me is because, you know, pizza in general can feed a lot of people at once for, you know, less per person overall. And so I feel like, you know, when you sit down at a table service restaurant, I don't know, say Chefs de France in the French Pavilion, maybe that's not a fair comparison because that's a little bit more expensive. But even if you sit down at your choice, you know, everyone's getting their own meal. So it's like $15 per person and adds up to like 60, 70, 80, $100 very quickly for a family of four. Whereas Via Napoli, you can get a pizza. Yes, it's $30. So it's like more than you would spend on a pizza at home at your local pizzeria, but you're feeding the entire family with that pizza maybe you get an appetizer but still you get more value overall and protein from the cheese now it's become a little bit less high on my personal list because we have one dairy allergic child so we have to get vegan food for them but still i think for most families via napoli is good i would say though if you're just traveling as a couple via napoli you're not as going to get as good value there because it's about getting more pizza for more people all right so i teased it a little bit but what is your favorite table service restaurant all right big fan of sci-fi dine-in theater and hollywood studios the theming of the restaurant is so great so you're getting sort of a top level themed restaurant but the the ultimate price is much lower than a lot of other table service restaurants. Like there are entrees on the adult menu that are under $20 for dinner. So that is something that is really rare. A lot of restaurants, you know, you're starting at 30 and maybe you're going into 40 for some of these fancier Disney World restaurants. So you can find some things that are filling and fairly inexpensive and get this great theming and have enjoy the air conditioning and enjoy the service, you know, somebody bringing your food to your table. So that that just checks all the boxes for me. And Hollywood Studios, there, I mean, I don't really find a lot of the quick service restaurants to be very memorable. So, and, and, you know, given what's going on with Genie Plus in that, the park, you know, you might find yourself having some downtime at lunchtime and need to kill some time till maybe your Genie Plus ride reservations come up. So great place to do a table service restaurant, I think, just generally speaking, in terms of your overall strategy. Totally agree. I would say that the people agree with us as well, because I find Via Napoli and Sci-Fi Dining Theater to be two of the toughest tickets in town to get. I don't know what happened to Sci-Fi. I felt like it was much easier for me to get before the pandemic, but since Disney reopened, it has been really hard to get Sci-Fi Dining. So I think a lot of people have found the value in both of those restaurants as table service. All right, so we got two more categories to round things out. Let's start with value souvenir. If you've listened to this podcast at all in the past, hit pause because you are definitely going to guess Leslie's. All right, now you're done pausing. Leslie, what is your best value souvenir? Press pennies. <laughs> Have I said it that much, Joe? I don't remember saying it that much. But <laughs> I, don't, I talk. To, I talk to you all the time, so I just. I just know you like that. So I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the listener experience is like, but you know, sometimes it's fun to guess. Well, I guess for me, the reason they're such a value. I mean, they're cheap. Of course, there has been a price increase. They're a dollar now. They used to be fifty cents or fifty-one cents. But even How with, dare they? I know, darn inflation hit the press pennies too. But even with the price increase, I mean, what I like about them is they're small. And they don't take up a lot of space. Like I've said before, like we need more Disney stuff in our house. Like we need a hole in the head. We have 
too much stuff in our fairly small square footage California house. But, you know, we want to remember our trips. And we started doing press pennies, you know, years ago. You know, a lot of other tourist destinations have press pennies. So when we go to a national park or, you know, some other you know, places like Las Vegas, we can find press bunny machines. And so my daughter can keep a book that sort of tracks her travels, Disney and otherwise with the press pennies in it. So that's a great value. It sort of gives her that, you know, chance to look back on, on our trips and it doesn't take up a lot of space in my house. All right. I got a couple of funny anecdotes, which I know we should be more efficient with our time, but I got to share them. First, an important thing is that I did not realize, which I think people should know, I had been avoiding the press pennies, Leslie, because I thought I had to provide my own penny, but I don't think you need to provide your own penny anymore, right? Yeah, these new machines, I guess, give you a fresh penny. So no more saving the shiny pennies in your house like I used to do. I mean, maybe it's not as fun anymore because you don't get to like crank the crank anymore and and put your own funky penny in there. But uh, you get like, I guess, a higher end souvenir because the penny is new. Well, see, now now I can do it. But yeah, my kids have been looking at these press penny machines and I've kind of been avoiding them. One, because I thought I didn't have the penny, but two, because, you know, I just don't want to wait there. But last night, this was actually last night, Leslie, my son goes to me, hey, dad, look at all these salt and pepper packets that I have. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? And he's like, yeah, I've been collecting salt and pepper packets. These are from Disney World. These are from... I can't even remember what other random place we did. And I was like, oh my gosh, this poor child, because I've been denying him his press pennies, has been collecting salt and pepper packets from around the world instead. So it's time to to pony up for the dollar for the press pennies. I have so many questions, Joe. Like, how is he sneaking the salt and pepper packets out? Like, I do not know. I do not know. He's probably hiding them in the surplus kid sick popcorn bucket. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I got to talk to him. It was it was bedtime when I talked to him about that, which is my third non sequitur story, which is that my daughter bought lightsabers when we were at Disneyland. And now I use them to escort them to bed. Like at the end of the night, the cast members use lightsabers to point you which way to go at night. So I think that's wow. pretty funny. No, no one else thinks that's funny <laughs> at my house except for me. I like it's like an air traffic controller with a little like, you know, like moving. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I get it. Okay. Great art is only appreciated by the great ones. But after all those tangents, my best value souvenir, similar concept to you, Leslie, don't actually need more junk at home, lightsabers notwithstanding. So my kids were begging us to buy those misting fans that like spray water at you on this last trip. And we kept saying, no, 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 we didn't buy them. Finally, like the second to last day, we're like, oh, we should have, we, we probably could buy this, right? But by then there was only two days left in the trip. And we're like, no, we're not going to buy it now for them only to use it for two days. So next time we go to Disney World, unless it's like in the winter or something, First thing we're going to buy is that misting fan souvenir so that the kids can stay cool. They don't have to complain. They can use it the whole entire week. And then if we lose it on the way to the airport or we have to get rid of it, hey, that's one less piece of junk in our house. So feel like that's a lot of value and it's practical and the kids love it. Yeah, we have bought some of those over the years and have not regretted them, especially when in Disney World in the summertime. And we, you know, brought them home and used them for other purposes here on, on hot days. So yeah, I think those are surprisingly good values because I definitely looked at those, you know, the first couple of trips and I was like, who would buy that? 
well, when your kid is, you know, in 98 degree hum- humid weather, and <laughs> it's it's you. You will buy that. Yes. So my tip is buy it immediately. Don't even wait till the second day. Just buy it as soon as you get there. Get full maximum value out of it, just like popcorn buckets. All right. We're going to end with another well if it's not a slam dunk it's a layup what's the best value individual lightning lane all the individual lightning lanes that you have to pay for a la carte they cost different amounts of money but i feel like there's only one answer for the one that you definitely should spend your money on if you're going to only buy one and what is that for you leslie it's rise of the resistance and it is of course the most expensive individual lightning lane currently at $15. I don't think that's going to last because it's 20 at Disneyland. But I mean, the reason I think it's the best value is just because of the lack of reliability of Rise of the Resistance. You know, if you buy individual lightning lane and the ride goes down, then you know, you get to come back to it later, or if the ride never comes back up, you know, you get a refund, all of that. But if you're trying to fit in Rise of the Resistance some other way, like rope dropping it, you can really, really get screwed by that situation. I mean, you know, say it's broken down in the morning and you rope drop it, you've just wasted, you know, your early morning hours, you know, say you stood in line for a really long time in the standby line and it breaks down right before you get on it. There's really no recourse for you. So, that's just worth paying for to hedge your bets against being really inconvenienced in some way, shape, or form by the operational troubles of Rise of the Resistance. What do you think, Joe? Yep. Sad to say, but you nailed it. It's because of the reliability issues. Obviously, it's an amazing ride, but Flight of Passage is also an amazing ride worth buying and not waiting in line for. But Flight of Passage, at least you don't have to worry about it breaking down if you do wait in line for it. Whereas Rise of the Resistance, it's like uh, Yancey said when she was talking about her VIP tour. The VIP guide was like, it's up, so we should go right now. Like, there should not be attractions where that is what comes into mind when you decide when to ride them. But Rise of the Resistance is like that, so you should definitely buy it to save yourself some headache and stress. All right, so those are our picks for best values for various categories at Walt Disney World to save some money, to get some more bang for your buck. But like we said, there are lots of other options, maybe even for that last one, the best individual lightning lane to purchase. So please let us know your thoughts, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter, or you can message us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Leslie, do you have a value-related Disney do or don't for us? Okay, Joe. So Disney don't when it comes to value. Don't just always choose what is the cheapest option. You really have to think through your plan and logistics at Walt Disney World to determine whether something is ultimately going to save you money in the end. And, you know, the the best example for me is, you know, maybe you're paying a few dollars more for a more expensive hotel, but it, it gives you value in other ways and saves you money on on the back end. Like for me, staying at Pop Century, being able to have the Skyliner right there, I am definitely going to spend more money up front, but I am going to save more money on transportation because I guarantee you that if I stay at a place like All Stars, I am going to cave at some point with my kids and I'm going to take an Uber (laughs) and I'm going to pay more money in the end for the logistics being harder for me. So, you know, just think through how you you spend your days, how you plan your days, what your order of attack is, and and then do the math and total it up because it's surprising to me, but I often get a lot more value by spending a little more upfront. The minivans are going to be back. So if you got tempted to get one of those, you're going to spend even more than a traditional Uber. So yeah, one minivan ride is the difference between an all-star and pop century for, for a day, for sure. 
Yeah. The other thing I would add to that is Disney is an expert at nickel and diming you even when you have, have committed to paying less money, like say for a cheaper hotel or for a cheaper restaurant or whatever. So they are really good at that. They are pros at separating you from your money, as one of my friends likes to say. So unless you are incredibly disciplined, sometimes it is better to pay a little bit more upfront so that you don't need to worry about it later. There is something to be said. I don't know if the dining plan is ever going to come back. And Leslie and I were never dining plan people, but there always was something to be said for paying for your dining upfront and just not having to worry about it, even though you'd probably save more money um, separately. So these are all just things to bear in mind when you're looking for value at Disney World. Disney math is truly its own subject. Indeed. I figured we were going to back our way into defending the Disney dining plan. So we finally come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, time to wrap it up. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you with your abacus trying to make sure you get the best deal. Thanks, Joe. Bye.